Rachel. Yeah. Kodos, a fugitive mass murderer, is a 23rd century Shakespearean actor. <laughs> when a friend is murdered, Kirk asks a Shakespearean troupe to investigate. What? What do you think? <laughs> um, Kirk might send a few actors undercover to get the dirt, I guess. Maybe, rec- <laughs> maybe wearing a recording device. I'm hoping Kirk has to replace one of the actors on stage at the last oh, minute. Oh, that would be so oh. good. So, a mass murdering Shakespearean actor. Why are people still casting him? <laughs> Look at Kevin Spacey. He's not going to be performing at the Old Vic for a while, is he? And this guy's a mass murderer. <laughs> He's probably got undeniable stage presence and well, intensity and a really good agent. Yeah, that's that's what you need. Do you think there'll be any women in it? Someone as Ophelia or Gertrude? Yes, yes, of course. I expect Kirk will sneak around eavesdropping on the planted actors to see how they're getting on. Perhaps scared he'll be the next to be killed. Oh. Hang on, where are the police? (laughs) That is a good question. I'm not sure. I honestly don't remember this episode at all. So we're going to be in for a ride. Ooh. Rachel watches Star Trek. Is he dead? Speak. Is King Duncan dead? Your great Neptune's ocean wash this blood clean from my hands. That voice. How is that? That man on the stage. I'm certain of it. That's Kodos. That is the intro from the episode Conscience of the King from the original series of Star Trek. I am Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. You are listening to Rachel Watches Star Trek. It's December and we're getting ready for the holiday season. Mm. Putting up the tree, hanging up the lights, keeping track of which Yule Lad will be showing up. Stack Arster, or Sheep Coat Claude, will be showing up on Tuesday, so make sure you have your sheep locked up, okay? Okay. This month, we are bringing you not one, not two, but three episodes. Due to our very generous backer, Brian James DeMitt, we are doing a non-Star Trek bonus show, an episode of The Outer Limits called The Xanti Misfits. Mm. But what you'll like about this, Rachel, is they are half-hour shows. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) And we're also going to be doing a comment show next month, so this will be a holly jolly Christmas after all. On a week. Let's get into the story. As soon as this episode starts, we're straight into thespin. Blusher, darkened bushy eyebrows, they're doing a play. Kirk and a smattering of others are watching it. It's a 50-seat theatre where the actors have received texts from the friends just before going on to say they're stuck in traffic or can't be asked to come. We've all been there! (laughs) So Kirk and his eye-patch-wearing buddy are watching and talking during it. Why? Where? (laughs) Buddy leans over and says, watch Macbeth. Doesn't he know that's bad luck in a theatre? Why, to watch Macbeth? To say Macbeth. Oh, right. You're supposed to say that Scottish play. Mm. Right, right. Obviously, he doesn't know, and 
bad luck does befall him. Sure does. It seems that the USS Enterprise has been diverted three light years off its scheduled course to Planet Q, a lot like Avenue Q, just bigger. <laughs> and less swearing. <laughs> Uh, the theater patron with the patch over his eye, who we heard at the top, that's Layton, and he's actually Dr. Layton, and he got Kirk to come to Planet Q with the promise of a new synthetic food that will stop a famine on Signia Minor. Mm. But this was totally a lie. He just wanted someone to go to a community theater with, <laughs> and I've been there. <laughs> hey, Greg, I just invented a time machine. Come over and check it out. Oh, sorry. No, I don't have a time machine. I just wanted you to watch the first season of Groovy Ghoulies with me. <laughs> Groovy Ghoulies? <laughs> you remember Groovy Ghoulies? No. It was a cartoon where monsters uh, had a band. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Is it good? Uh, no. Oh. But I loved it. You know, people over here call their testicles their ghoulies. <laughs> so it might be you suggesting Greg come over and look at your testicles that you've painted in psychedelic colors uh, to be groovy. I, I've never... I've lived here almost... Eight years, and I've never heard that before. Ghoulies? Oh, Greg's here. <laughs> <laughs> he knew what it meant here, and he came. <laughs> <laughs> oh, golly. Dr. Layton, he is not a Groovy Ghoulies fan. <laughs> he likes Shakespeare, but he had tricked Kirk because he believes that one of the actors, Anton Caridian, in this Shakespearean troupe, is actually the mass murderer known as Kodos the Executioner. Ooh. That's not his actual name. <laughs> he was dumped the executioner because he seized control of an earth colony that was called Taurus 4 in 2246 and ordered the execution of half the population of 8,000 people. Ooh. Of the 4,000 survivors, only nine, including young Kirk and Leighton, ever saw the face of the revolutionary governor. So kudos was presumed dead. They found a body they thought was his. It was so badly burned, they couldn't positively identify it. The Enterprise is such a weird shape. <laughs> What's that, What's that flat circular bit at the front? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Um, it's, called, <laughs> it's called the primary hull. Uh, most of the ship's labs and quarters and essential work areas are in the primary hull, which hmm. is also called the saucer section. Mm -hmm. uh, the back section of the ship is mostly about the warp drives. And the two arm-like bits sticking out of the back are the warp nacelles, and they generate the warp field so that the ship can go faster than light. Ooh. But in extreme emergencies, the saucer section can actually separate, but it's very dangerous for it to do that. We'll hear about that in a later episode called The Apple. They bring it up. Ooh, okay. Uh, but even later and next generation, the ship is actually made to be able to separate and it does so a few times. Mm -hmm. There's a bit in this where I wonder whether parts of the ship can be separated or um, operate independently from others. And what we're watching now, it can be done but it's really dangerous and mm. it's like, I guess it takes a lot of effort to be able to do it and it's not really made to do it, but it can be done. Mm -hmm. Whereas with the next gen, it's part of what it does. Okay. <laughs> they can amputate part of it. Yeah, But it's not much. advisable if it's not essential. Well, well, that would take away their faster than light capability. So Ooh. if they weren't anywhere that was close to someplace they wanted to be, they would be in big trouble. Oh, yeah. But anywho. <laughs> we find out that the actors are visiting the planet with their play. How's that tour going? They can't be covering the cost, surely. They must have got a massive grant. <laughs> Even though he's convinced Kodos is long dead, Kirk goes off to do some research using the voice-activated computer, which is so much better than Siri. Yeah, but then is. we do have old phones. Well done, Star Trek. <laughs> it's a good computer, isn't it? It is, yeah. Satisfied that there's something dodgy about the actor Caridian, 
Kirk heads back to join a cocktail party on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pretty awesome 60s cocktail party. Like all the women are wearing those big flowy are those moo moos what are those called? Camp kind of thing yeah, yeah yeah it told it looks like a 60s cocktail party completely and they're tiny little colored glass glasses for <laughs> booze he meets a creepy vacant girl not unlike my first impressions of vena in the cage mm. who is caridian's 19 year old daughter he gives her a drink he's already been drinking from what do you make of that it's the meat cute he had a drink in his hand she came up to him and she's like oh is that for me And he's like, sure. He's just being flirty with her. What's a meet cute? That's like in the movies when they meet and there's like some kind of little event or some sort of silly misunderstanding or some little, uh, (laughs) because they meet and it's like a a flirty thing. It's cute. But, you know, by her taking his drink, she's showing that she's not afraid of his cooties. You know why she's not afraid of his cooties? Because she wants to be macking on him. Oh, I forgot. They're actually going to be swapping saliva later. You bet they are. Okay, that doesn't matter if it's on the glass then, does it? She's down for some snogging. Woo! So what do you think of Kirk's uh, moves in this scene? Well, they're both going at it, aren't they? Pretty hard. (laughs) Nobody is needing to be won over at all. (laughs) (laughs) But did you think he was being uh, charming or did you think he was being creepy or... No, I mean, he was meeting her almost at the intensity she was flirting with him it, it would maybe have come across creepy if she wasn't going at it so hard but Man, yeah, yeah. She, she was definitely into it so lenore she's called was playing gertrude so playing her dad's wife shudder uh well i mean in shakespeare there's not a lot of kissing going on i mean all <laughs> well i mean there isn't most of the actors were all men anyway, originally, mm-hmm. so they, they probably didn't write in a lot of kissing into the plays, right? Mm-hmm. It depends. In the romantic comedies, you might fancy a few kisses. I don't know. It might not be in the script, though. No, oh, right. This isn't one of those. No. I don't know. It just still gives me the creeps. It Well, yeah. Their flirting moves fast. Two minutes at the party, and they're off to a second location already. <laughs> Watch out, girl. We know Kirk's honorable, unless he's been infected, but you don't. And watch out, Kirk, too. She's creepy. (laughs) Well, I mean, obviously the chemistry was flowing there Mm -hmm. and they were were ready to go. He hasn't been at that party for five minutes and he totally pulls. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's impressive. But he's not there to make out. I mean, you know, if it comes up, he's down. But no, no, he's there to pump her for information (laughs) (laughs) about her father. Uh (laughs) (laughs) outside wandering about and flirting she remarks that inside he was such a brash young man brash young (laughs) (laughs) kirk's about to go in for a kiss when he notices and this is more common than you might think of a first kiss scenario that his buddy is slumped by a rock (laughs) (laughs) it's their host uh, Thomas Layton. Yeah, one touch of his back and Kirk determines he's dead. He looks more annoyed than surprised or sad. <laughs> well, Layton said that the other survivors of the massacre that saw Kodos's face have died under mysterious circumstances. Mm. So I guess this sort of proves things right. Mm. It obviously doesn't prove anything right to Kirk because he's very thick headed in this whole thing. <laughs> Layton's death makes Kirk uh, take his friend's suspicions a bit more seriously, but I don't know why it doesn't completely cinch it for him. Mm. And, and there's this annoying hesitancy of Kirk this whole episode, which is not really in character for him. Yeah, one of his defining qualities is decisiveness, isn't it? Yeah. Often in ways that seem really reckless to us. Yeah. He lost decisiveness when he split into evil and too good Kirk right. and nearly killed them all. Mm-hmm. He used it in the Corbamite maneuver to save the day. Yeah. He won't condemn anyone unless there's empirical proof, though. 
if I'm remembering rightly. Yeah. But as you kept saying, maybe just detain or arrest Caridian while they investigate. Yeah. It was kind of frustrating while we were watching this. So Kirk gets an idea. He contacts the captain of the ship that was going to transport the actors to the next planet. And he knows this guy. His name's John Daly. He's captain of the Astral Queen, which is my new favorite band name. <laughs> I like John Daly and the Astral Queens. Oh, that's good. Although yeah. I fear John would be seriously upstaged and outspangled. <laughs> 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 so uh captain john owes kirk a favor and kirk wants him to cancel his trip and then he'll take the actors where they need to go john's like yeah sure i don't want any actors on my ship no. <laughs> <laughs> so the caridian players are stranded and they need to ask kirk for a ride <laughs> what there's no way to solve the crime and no one in charge of law enforcement you know, this is an awesome episode. I, I loved it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was so thoroughly entertained. Like I said, I had no memory of it, but it's so full of bizarre and wonderful surprises <laughs> that it just brings me unlimited joy. <laughs> but it doesn't make a lot of sense story-wise. Mm. The whole motivation for Kirk keeping things secret and manipulating events to get people to do stuff, it just doesn't make any sense. And I'm not sure what Starfleet is in charge of? Do mm. they do law enforcement? Are they military? If they are military and he doesn't do law enforcement, is he not lawfully allowed to interfere? Which might be the case. Mm. Like somebody else has to deal with it. But if it was the case, why doesn't he just find the proper authorities? Mm. And he's a Starfleet captain. You would think he would have enough pull to have some local police listen to him Yeah. about this. Especially if he had suspicions with a lot of evidence. I mean, Layton was murdered. Yeah. There's an open murder investigation yeah. going on right now. Why is that not being addressed? Yes. <laughs> and why are why is this group of actors from off world just being allowed to leave mm. without being questioned? Nobody's asked. It's really fishy. For me, it's kind of a truck-sized hole in the plot. Mm. Anyway, back on the bridge, Lenore uh, beams to the Enterprise and enters the bridge in a dress that looks like a giant muff. Yeah. <laughs> With sparkly tights. <laughs> Spock raises an eyebrow at her flirting and bargaining with Kirk. They arrange to swap a performance for the crew, which earlier 12 people attended, <laughs> for becoming their intergalactic tour bus. Rand walks in and gives her a dirty look. She's back. Yeah, for like a second. Oh, she'd been condemned to just walk through scenes with no lines for the rest of the oh, season. Man. Well, actually, I looked it up. And it said Whitney was already notified that she'd been fired from the series a week before filming on this episode. Oh. Her limited walk-on scene was the last she had to film for Star Trek before her return in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yeah. She recalled, by that time I'd already been written out of the show. I did the scene sober, but after shooting my walk-on, I went out to the liquor store, bought a bottle of wine and brought it back to my dressing room. That day I drank. I couldn't deal with the fact that I wasn't going to be on the show anymore. So I drank to anesthetize the pain. It was the only time I ever brought a bottle onto the studio lot. That's from the longest trek, my tour of the galaxy. Oh, no. Oh, so sad. So sad and unfair what happened to her. It is not right. Anyway, Kirk goes through the files, getting a list of witnesses to Kodos at the massacre. There are only nine, seven of which are dead. Mm. The only two alive are Kirk and Lieutenant Kevin Riley, <laughs> who's, who's still on the Enterprise. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> Unfortunately, this episode, he doesn't get drunk and sink. Aww. We don't have any of that. Kirk orders Spock to move Riley from communications down to engineering, which Spock is like, that's a demotion. Mm. And Kirk kind of bitches him out and mm. doesn't explain anything to Spock. Yeah, he's really snippy with him. Perhaps just because he knows he's making unsound decisions and he's insecure about it. But why not just explain it to Spock? I know. But again, maybe it's not 
in Kirk's jurisdiction and he's doing some stuff that he shouldn't or isn't Mm. legal. Maybe he's getting back at him for the last episode (laughs) from the menagerie. (laughs) Could be. But again, why do all this convoluted stuff? Just arrest Caridian or Kodos and hold him for the proper authorities. Just Mm. go, look, I think this guy might be a mass murderer. Mm -hmm. Tell him everything that's happened so far. And if I I would think any law enforcement person would go, hmm, let's look into this. Yeah. At least question the guy. Uh. Spock goes down to talk to uh, Dr. McCoy about the captain's behavior. McCoy is openly drinking in the med lab. (laughs) He's got some hooch and he's just going to town. Yeah. That can't be regulation. (laughs) It might be off duty. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) If he's off duty, he should be in his quarters or in the rec room or something. I don't know what doctors get up to. I learned that Vulcans can't get drunk and also can't fancy girls. They can, but that's a whole can of worms. We're not going to open that up right now. Yeah, we'll get there. Spock is really harsh in McCoy's buzz, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's he's trying to get down to business. Spock senses something is up and he does his own sleuthing, figures out what is going on. Mm -hmm. He's able to deduce it because he's Spock. He's awesome. He also finds out that, that where the witnesses had died, the Caribbean players were nearby. Oh, yeah. What? Uh, I just can't believe there's no law enforcement. How did this happen? Meanwhile, Kirk and Lenore are flirting again on the observation deck. Tell me, Captain Kirk. Tell me. Did you order the soft lights especially for the occasion? If I had ordered soft lights, I'd also have arranged for music and flowers. Unfortunately, it isn't so. On the Enterprise, we try to duplicate Earth conditions of night and day as closely as possible. Star light, star bright. I wish I may, I wish I might. Do you remember that, Captain? It's very old. Almost as old as the stars themselves and the ship. All this power surging and throbbing, yet under control. Are you like that, Captain? All this power at your command. The decisions that you have to make. Come from a very human source. Are you, Captain? You can count on it. Tell me about the women in your world, Captain. What would you like to know? Has the machine changed them? Made them just people instead of women? Worlds may change, galaxies disintegrate, but a woman always remains a woman. Starlight, star bright. I wish I may, I wish I might. Do you remember that, Captain? It's very old. Almost as old as the stars themselves. No, it's not. (laughs) Not even close. (laughs) The stars are billions and billions of years old. That's what, maybe a couple hundred tops? (laughs) Come on. I know I'm ripping this to bits, but I really love it. It's (laughs) so good. Surging and throbbing yet under control. Is that like you? (laughs) Woo! (laughs) That's some hot use of a simile, girlfriend. (laughs) Uh, We go down to engineering and Riley is sitting there alone. He hits the comm and contacts the rec room where everybody's having an awesome party. Uh, This guy, Lieutenant Matson and Uhura are down there. Uhura's playing the Vulcan harp. Mm. And he asks Uhura to give him a little serenade. And I'm thinking, did Spock teach her how to play the harp? Mm. What else are they going to do in their downtime? Yeah. I like to sing him better this time. It's good, but mm-hmm. it's a bit high, isn't it? Yeah. I'm getting in touch with my own racism here, I think. What? Yeah, having been brought up on 60s soul music, I think I make assumptions and 
want African-American women to sing in that way. And something inside me doesn't like her singing in what I perceive as more of a white church lady way. Well, I'm glad I'm just that just truth in. Yeah, no, that you're you're aware of it. Yeah. So hopefully you can course correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the song is a bit weird, and I I think it just might be that it's not a good song. Yeah. I don't think anybody could sing it and make it into a good song. They were doing quite a lot of avant-garde music yeah. in that era, weren't they? Yeah. Like I'm thinking of Sweet Charity or something. Was that about that time? I don't know where the probably using a lot of unusual keys and i don't know what yeah about. yeah uh, the song's called beyond antares listening to her sing it kind of felt like they were just sort of making it up as they went <laughs> <laughs> like it's just not a good song yeah also what the hell this whole song and the show like the scene <laughs> has nothing to do with anything it's yeah. this weird random it goes on for like five minutes that's why i liked it <laughs> <laughs> I did too. Yeah. <laughs> but while it's going on, something happens. While Riley is distracted by her performance, someone sneaks into the room and emerges from the shadows and squirts Windex into his <laughs> glass of milk. That person knows how to wear gloves and a protective suit. <laughs> they do. It does happen in Star Trek. <laughs> so Riley drinks the milk after doing a little bit of a, a gag where he's pretending he's going to drink it. Then he puts it down. He picks it up again. It's like, oh, just drink it or not for crying out loud. But he drinks it. He starts choking, but he's able to call Uhura for help before he collapses. Oh, if they'd done Irish karaoke instead, he wouldn't have had a chance to drink the milk. He loves a good croon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we go to Riley. He's in the bio bed and Spock and Kirk are standing over him. Spock says, Kirk, dude. You're next. Ooh. And McCoy finds Riley has tetralubisol in his blood. And Spock is sure he was poisoned. But McCoy says, well, it's down in engineering. It is a thing. Mm. Maybe it accidentally got into his, his drink somehow. Uh, Kirk seems very conflicted over this. Again, why? <laughs> <laughs> Kirk reckons logic is not enough. I've got to feel my way. <laughs> <laughs> what? Logic is not enough. When is, since when is logic not <laughs> yeah. enough? So Spock, the man, the voice of reason, is like, dude, Caridian is Kodos. Arrest him. So they can arrest him. So, yeah. Uh, Kirk is still like, mm, I don't know. What if I'm wrong? <laughs> well, what if? Let's play this out. What if you're wrong? He's held for a few hours while you check out his identity. Oh, no. What a travesty. <laughs> so finally a solution. They're going to do a voice comparison test, which will prove infallibly if it's him. A bit later, Kirk and Spock are in Kirk's quarters trying to figure out what to do. And then Spock hears this hum and then they both hear it and it gets louder and louder. It's a phaser set to overload again. <laughs> See, they do it. They set phasers to overload like crazy. Why? Why I, is this function there? <laughs> because they need to be able to blow things up, I guess. <laughs> Kirk sets a double red alert. Double? Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. And tells Spock to get everyone out of that area of the ship because an exploding phaser could take out the whole section. Kirk finds the phaser and sets it out a garbage chute before it blows up. What happens if a section of the ship is exploded? That wouldn't be great for the flying and life-sustaining aspects <laughs> of the Enterprise, would it? No, no, no. I guess... Uh, it, they, they probably have sections can be sealed off. Mm, that's what I wondered. But if any people that were in there, it mm. could be dangerous or it might interfere with other systems or it could cause a chain reaction and blow up the whole ship. Who knows? For goodness sake. Depends where it is. What about this garbage chute? Is it shooting straight out into space or yeah, is it that's... blowing up the poor guys and gals in the garbage room? I don't <laughs> I don't know. I kind of thought about it. I go, wait a minute. Doesn't that go to a room? It doesn't just go straight out into space, does it? Mm. But maybe it does. At this point, Kirk finally confronts Caridian. He straight up asks him, are you Kodos? Caridian is evasive. 
And he says uh, he's played many parts over the last 20 years, mm. but he's tired. Sounds like a guilty man to me. <laughs> yeah, and he keeps pretending to read the whole time, not giving eye contact or full attention. Kirk says that he wants to do this voice analysis and gives Caridian the speech Kodos made 20 years ago. He starts reading it, but then he stops looking at the paper as if saying it from memory. Mm-hmm. Back in sickbay, McCoy is doing his logs, talking about Caridian slash Kudos, and Riley overhears and is horrified. And then he gets very determined. Kodos murdered his family. Eesh. A bit later, we get a voice match and it's super close, but not perfect. So Kirk hems and haws some more. Again, why? It's not Kirk. I don't understand why he's doing this. It was supposed to be infallible, yes. this test. He said it was an infallible test. So, I mean, maybe he's older. That's why it's not matching 20 years. Changes. He said it wouldn't matter, guess, even yeah. if he disguised his voice. Anyway, it's a little frustrating. But <laughs> again, all these things that I'm frustrated about, it does not they don't matter to how <laughs> awesome this episode is. So the Caridian player's performance of Hamlet has started on the Enterprise, mm. which Hamlet is actually a thing that happens quite a bit on Star Trek. Uh-huh. So what? They're still going to do the play? Yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't they? Well, he's just proven his kodos and he's <laughs> investigating it. Just still, the show must go on, I the guess. The show must go on. Some of the crew are watching it on a TV in the rec room. Yeah. Why? Well, because the, they don't have like a big auditorium. Oh. So they can only fit like 20 people in there that can actually watch it in person. And the rest of the crew that want, they'll watch it on their TVs, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So Riley steals a phaser and he goes backstage to shoot Kodos. Kirk shows up, talks him out of it, and sends him back to sickbay. Once the intermission starts, Caridian and Lenore start to discuss what they heard Kirk saying to Riley. And Caridian says, it was the voice of a part that I played long ago. Mm. Then Lenore says that she knows all about it. She's been protecting him. She's killed almost all the men. Just two Mm. more to go. She's gone full-blown nutty and Caridian is horrified by this he's trying to protect her from his past he has blood on his hands as he did in the first scene playing Macbeth but he wanted her untouched by the blood she was the one good thing that came out of his horrible life but even she is tainted his only legacy is tragedy Mm. (laughs) it's so dramatic Mm -hmm. so Lenore says she would have killed a thousand people to save her father and then Kirk steps out of the shadows and they both realize that he has heard everything Lenore says that she was only trying to protect her father and Kirk is like by killing innocent men Mm. and she says they weren't innocent they're dangerous so Kirk gets security to take them into custody and she begs Kirk to let them finish the performance (laughs) and it seems like Kirk is considering it too (laughs) like what But Lenore gets a phaser and threatens to kill Kirk or anyone else that gets in her way. She's full on over the top crazy now. She talks about a floating tomb, a reference to Ophelia's death, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. Ophelia who goes mad after the accidental death of her father at the hands of her lover. So Kudos wants no further bloodshed and steps between Kirk and Lenore and she accidentally shoots her father. He's dead. She freaks out and crumples over her father's body.
It's a mashup of Fortinbras's speech after Hamlet's death and Hamlet plotting to uncover Claudius's betrayal. And we finish up with this bit here. Medical report. She'll receive the best of care, Jim. She remembers nothing. She even thinks her father's still alive, giving performances before cheering crowds. You really cared for her, didn't you? Ready to leave Benicio orbit, Captain. Stand by, Mr. Leslie. All channels clear to Uhura? All channels clear, sir. Whenever you're ready, Mr. Leslie. Leaving orbit, sir. You're not going to answer my question, are you? Ahead, warp factor one, Mr. Leslie. So let's look at that Netflix title card again. <laughs> Kodos, a fugitive mass murderer, is a 23rd century Shakespearean actor. <laughs> so far, so good. When a friend is murdered, Kirk asks a Shakespearean troupe to investigate. Nope. That last bit's just wrong. Nope, that did how not happen. Guess, how can I guess right if they're just making it up? <laughs> You're excused. You're excused. Yeah, that's totally crazy. I got some right, though, didn't I? Yeah. I said someone would be playing Ophelia. And I yeah. said Kirk could be sneaking around eavesdropping. Yeah, that happened. And that he might be the next to be killed. Oh, yeah. And I wondered, hang on, where are the police? Not bad. Yeah, Something. very good. Well mm -hmm. done. Getting there. So was it eugenics or was it 4,000 killed to save 4,000? Mm. Is eugenics picking people for their particular qualities rather than... Yeah. 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 I think what the implication was is that when he decided who lived and who died in this circumstance, he was picking the people that he deemed more worthwhile to live mm. so in a way it's a form of eugenics mm. but the whole reason he did this is because people were going to starve to death and he knew mm. that everybody was going to die and he figured if he killed off half the population that the other half would have a chance to live mm -hmm. which is messed up but still if the supply vessel didn't show up earlier than they anticipated then maybe he would have actually saved some people's lives i mean it's a really tough decision and this is an argument that he makes to kirk and he and, didn't kill himself. And he didn't kill himself. So, no, but obviously it's a bad choice. I wouldn't have done it. But it's not as clean cut, uh, the whole idea that he's this evil man. And he was definitely remorseful for mm. what had happened. He was decisive. <laughs> he was decisive. <laughs> That's something. Back in the flirtatious dialogue we played a lot of earlier, mm -hmm. Lenore said, has the machine changed them, made them just people instead of women? Is she asking whether Kirk, as a machine, has made his lovers into people, not women, or whether the female crew have become desexualized as a result of the work? I think that's what she means. Like, has the female crew been, dis like, does he just see them as part of the machine of his, sh of his ship? Mm -hmm. Or does he still see them as women? And then his, his reply is a little, worlds may change, galaxies disintegrate, but a woman always remains a woman. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> that he still fancies them even though he can't have them? Or... Women will always be essentially female, no matter what setting or job role they're in. But what does yeah? What does he mean by that? Does he mean that he would still have sex with them, no matter how gender neutral they were? I don't know. I don't know. Mm. It's very strange. Sounds good, but doesn't really hold up to scrutiny. No, no. So sexiness. The metaphor of the ship as Kirk's wife is changed by Lenore into being a metaphor for him and his throbbing surging power. <laughs> she uses it to flirt with him, but also then later to accuse him of being mechanical and not human. Mm. Oh yeah, there's plenty, I mean, of sexiness in here. It's a solid eight. It's basically a how to pick up women tutorial from Captain Kirk. <laughs> but she was a snaky seductress too. She was. She knew he was one of the witnesses, presumably. Not sure what her plan was for him with all the flirting distraction. Yeah, could be. 
Lots of full-on flirting, though. No subtlety there. <laughs> no. Sexy. <laughs> Very. <laughs> and Uhura was able to shine and get some airtime, too. Yeah. Seven. So concepts. Aha. Uh-huh. Kirk is Hamlet. That's why he's being so indecisive. Oh, no. Mm. That's stupid. <laughs> he's not Hamlet. Kirk is not Hamlet. Those are two completely different characters. And they try to shoehorn Kirk's mm. personality into Hamlet. Mm. That is a, that's exactly what they were doing. I guess. Oh, that is such a bad idea. Oh, oh my God. I can't believe I didn't figure that out. <laughs> Without it, you don't have a story, though, do you? A lot of the times when we pick holes in people's reasoning, yeah. there wouldn't be a storyline if they just did the normal thing first time. Well, of course. But a good story is when the characters behave as they should and the drama comes out of them being who they are yeah and they're not making ridiculous choices i've been dipping into uh next gen you know i watch (laughs) dipping more like swimming non-stop the channel of next gen when i do dishes or tidy up the kitchen i put the next gen on yeah which i love and it is rock solid Mm. i mean the writing is so good the characters are so well established and very very rarely do they do anything that's out of character. Mm. And it really stands out to me how inconsistent the writing is on mm. the old show. Yeah. So this episode offered a bridge into my comfort zone, I think, of the artsy-fartsy theatre geeking. Oh, yeah. So that felt good. Oh, yeah. You're giving this a six, though, even though you base it on sci-fi concepts, of which right. there were none. Yeah, and okay, I don't give it a six. I take it back. <laughs> I give it a two. Oh. It's a two from me. And I'll give it a six. But entertainment, however... It is a terrible episode. (laughs) It is horribly written and way overacted. And yet it is one of the most entertaining episodes of Star Trek I've ever seen. I give it a nine. (laughs) Good for you. And I don't give it a 10 because I can't really give something a 10 ironically. (laughs) That just, it's not appropriate. I don't think it was poorly acted. Kodos guy could have really taken it up to 11, but he kept it pretty under control. I thought compared to say that scientist guy gurning and jizzing a few episodes ago. Oh, right. Yeah, that guy was terrible. No, I thought uh, Lenore's was a little much, mm. a little intense, but she was playing a, a, a psychotic. So Yeah, that's tough to play. Again, my criticisms, I know they're harsh, yet, man, I loved it. This was a breath of fresh air. It was so strange and mm. different and not what I remembered Star Trek being. So I, I just loved it. Yeah, it was so bizarre. I think I enjoyed it the most out of the ones we've seen, even without the Kirk Fu. So nine. <laughs> <laughs> so did you see it coming that she was the killer? Yeah. I saw it maybe five, ten minutes before it was revealed. Not from the start. Though. Yeah. No, I didn't. No, I was thinking about it and go, well, if he's the killer, that's that's not going to be very dramatic. There needs to be a little bit of a twist. Mm. I'm like, oh, it's probably his daughter. Yeah. And then once the, he started questioning Kodos and he seemed shamed, like he seemed like he was shameful mm. for being Kodos. I was yeah. like, yeah, it's totally his daughter. Yeah, that must have been the point. They tried to throw us off the scent because she was with Kirk when the guy was revealed dead. Yeah. But I guess she could have poisoned him. Oh, of course, yeah. She yeah. walked him over there to show him the body. Mm. So next week, we're going to be doing a classic mm. episode of the original series of Star Trek called Balance of Terror. Oh. And I know which one this is. I remember this one. And it is cool. Rachel, I've had so much fun watching Star Trek and talking with you about it. Yeah. This episode, I can finally say, me too. Yay! <laughs> and with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek.
Rachel watches Star Trek.